Hello, I am Dr. Kathleen Hall, and this is the way I see it. Today, we're going to talk about Lent and your 40-day makeover, okay? A 40-day makeover, and it happens to be called Lent. For those of you who don't know the term Lent, Lent is a season that begins in February every single year, and it's a very ancient time of year. It's a very ancient season of the liturgical year. Lent is the 40 days before Easter. Throughout history, it's been considered a spiritual time, a sacred time, and it's an opportunity for changing habits that may be stopping you from living your authentic life or your best life. So this is a great opportunity. It starts this Wednesday. I invite you to join me this year in a 40-day makeover challenge. Lent can be a life-changing experience, no matter who you are. I don't care if you're atheist, agnostic, religious, not religious, whatever you are. 40 days, we know, research shows us, six weeks, 42 days, or 40 days, really is a time that you can change a habit, change anything about your life, because those six weeks or 40 days, they are exactly time for you to rewire your brain and make new connections and experience new experiences. It's just a great time. So I actually look forward to this time. Each Lent, of course, this goes back to my childhood, our family met on Ash Wednesday to choose what we were going to practice for those 40 days. And as a child, I had a really bad temper, imagine. So I spent, every year I would spend the 40 days exploring my anger, and I had this little shoe box. So every time I lost my temper, I had to put like a penny, I think it was, in there. And um, then on Sunday, I would look and see how many pennies I had. But then on Easter Sunday, we got to celebrate with candy and all those things because, you know, it really wasn't about how good or bad you are. It was more about the awareness of your habits. And I've carried that on into today. We have a tribe. I have a tribe of women. And we have met for, golly, I guess 17 years. Every single Wednesday, we used to meet every single Wednesday of our lives. And now with the pandemic, we move it around a little bit. But we practice uh, Lent. We practice Ash Wednesday, the Wednesday before, as Lent begins. And then we go through the 40 days together, and we openly discuss what we'd like to change, what we'd like to do, uh, the challenges in our life. And then we support each other through those 40 days. So don't underestimate the power of 40 days of Lent can create a new pattern that transforms you. And again, leads you into your authentic life, the life that you were called to, the life you were created to live, okay? It's a beautiful time of year. It's about slowing down. It's about slowing down. Bathing yourself, your capital S-E-L-F, yourself in awareness, and thus you get more clarity on your life. It takes about six weeks to change a habit. Yep, 40 days. Also, like I did with, do with my tribe and my husband, uh, I invite you to create this as a family ritual or as a, you know, with your friends, your partner, even coworkers. Um, say, hey, here's 40 days. Uh, what can we change? Even change things at work. Lent is not limited by a religion, but can be by taking the 40 days out of a busy, overbooked life to focus on something you want to create or change. Okay, and I love this image. I think each of us are called during this 40 days, kind of like um, 
whether you study the prophets or the saints or holy figures throughout time in all religions, be it Buddhism, Christianity, Islam, whatever it is, they would go out into the wilderness to develop their awareness and and to transform their lives. So I think of this as a season to enter the wilderness, your wilderness. It's a time to reflect on your choices you've made in your life, the ones you're making now, and you know, are your choices leading you closer to your true self, to what your calling is, your authentic life, or are your choices or habits really leading you away from them? And the whole key for this 40 days for Lent is awareness, awareness, wake up, awareness, okay? Realize the difference between habit versus practice. A habit is mindless behavior. A practice is mindful behavior, okay? A habit is something you do often without deciding it. You, you don't decide to do it, like biting your fingernails or if um, something comes on television that you don't like or a commercial, you immediately react or say something negative or you're at a stoplight and somebody does something and you either give them a hand sign or curse at them. Those are mindless actions. Those are habits. A practice is something that you do intentionally. You're aware. And then you decide to do it. You are mindfully doing actions in your life. You're choosing mindfully. You're not reacting mindlessly. Most people live lives, I hate to say this, of quiet desperation, living habitually and mindlessly. And they really do allow their precious lives and countless opportunities to slip away. But awareness is all about mindfulness, and it can also be about meditation and being silent and listening to your life. I've had the privilege of having Taoist teachers and many Buddhist teachers throughout my life, along with many Christian monks and nuns. Um, as I was pursuing my master's and my doctoral degree, I, I had the privilege of studying all over the world with many, many different theologies and spiritualities. Uh, and it was absolutely magical. But one of the basic tenets of spiritual and emotional cultivation is developing the awareness to know the difference between your habits that are crippling your life, stopping your life, hurting your life, and healthy practices, practices that you create mental and physical health because you're making a choice. Um, and one of the things that I love and and my husband loves about Buddhism is they have something called the Four Noble Truths, which is um, the, one of the cores, if not the core, of Buddhism. And the first one is life is suffering. It, it actually, from the time that you're born and you come out of that warm, wet, dark womb, and the lights hit you in the air, and you're hungry, and you cry, and through your life, sickness, death, loss, life is it just riddled with suffering. And those of us that are definitely older in life know this to be quite quite true. And sad to say, I think especially in the West, we are taught that something's wrong with you if you suffer, and we teach to run away from suffering instead of embracing it. Um, I would love to do a whole podcast on suffering. I, I'm, I did my um, master's dissertation on suffering. I, I was obsessed with it. And that's a whole other story because... Uh, I saw the nobility of it and almost uh, tried to suffer more. But anyway, so the truth of suffering is life is suffering. Second noble truth, it's caused by our cravings and attachments. The cause of human suffering lies in our ignorance, us not knowing, okay? Then we do acts. Then our karma kicks in because we're going to get out what we put back. 
So ignorance means just not knowing. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It means that we have no knowledge of, and it's resulting karma, are called cravings and attachments. So for an example, what causes my suffering? Cravings and attachments. Oh, I want to be rich and I'll do anything to do that. Oh, I want to drive a Mercedes Benz and I will do anything to do that. Oh, look at that gorgeous guy. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to buy new clothes. I'm going to do anything to have him. Whatever your cravings and attachments are will continue to cause you suffering. Status, all kinds of different things will cause suffering. And okay, so if the first double truth is suffering, it's caused by our cravings and attachments, what, what we want, our desires. Then the third is how do you stop it? It's called the cessation or the stopping of suffering. So you got to get rid of the ignorance, okay? And only by getting rid of, of all of your, not all of your, but being aware of your cravings and attachments can you kind of wake up and go, oof, these are like clouds keeping me from, from the light, from, from my heaven on earth, from my joy. Oof, I really am attached and have a lot of cravings that are keeping me suffering. So then the fourth noble, noble truth is the, it's, it's called, you know, we get rid of suffering through an eightfold path. And that's, you know, right meditation, mindfulness, right livelihood, which means making a living with integrity, right speech, saying kind things. So anyway, it's called a eightfold path. I love these four noble truths because it really would change the world is if we could all realize how much suffering we create by our cravings and attachments. Of course, uh, merchandise and marketing people, uh, when we turn on the television and they're advertising that we have to have a new car, a new sweater, whatever, they, I don't think they would really like the four um, noble truths very much. But anyway, let's go back to Lynn. The key step, awareness. Awareness is the path to courage. Okay? Awareness. Be courageous. Okay? I'm here. I'm your cheerleader. Be courageous these 40 days. Lent. For many of us, it's too painful to look at ourselves in the mirror. Awareness is the courage to look at your naked self. There is so much suffering buried in our old habits. Because our old habits, they cover up what we're suffering. Okay? What the, the seeds of our suffering. So let's talk about a few things buried under these old habits. Fear. What causes you to fear be harmful? If, uh, if you can write these down or remember them, fear. It's one of the number one reasons that we suffer. What causes you to feel fear? Uh, that's where you need to go first. Most people unknowingly create their lives around their fears. I realized this when I was on Wall Street and I saw all of these people I worked with making, you know, they set goals of 100000 a year, a quarter of a million, a million dollars. And as their goals went up, they bought more cars, had more affairs, more divorces, more addictions. And it just seemed like a vicious circle. And I thought, what are they afraid of? So what I decided to do was at that point, I drew a circle. I'll never forget this. And I put the five things I feared most in the middle of that circle. Okay. And again, please, this takes courage for you. And I'm here with you. I've done this. First for me was being poor, having no money. That was my number one fear uh, from childhood. I was afraid of being poor. Two was power. I saw that my father, the patriarch, had power. Women didn't have power. And so that was my biggest fear, not to ever lose my power. And third was beauty. I knew beauty was a currency. My weight, my hair, my skin, how I dressed, beauty. I knew that that was a currency. That was something I 
was terrified of losing. Next four was status. Uh, I would go to church on Sunday or I would go into stores and I would immediately know someone who was either a doctor, or a lawyer, or a professional. I saw the way they carried themselves. I saw their energy. I, I noticed it and I said, status, whatever I do, I want to have, I want to be that. I want to carry that energy around with me. So status was something I was afraid of, of not having. And last but not least is intelligence. I grew up with a brilliant mother and father, and uh, neither of them, they finished high school but didn't have an education. And my father told me uh, quite frequently that an education is wasted on an attractive uh, girl like me, and I was a little too smart for my own good, so education would be wasted on, uh, on me. So my biggest fear was that I would not get an education. So my biggest fears were being poor, not having power, not having beauty, status and intelligence. And and again, I'm I'm in my uh sixth decade of life and it's not that you conquer these. You don't get over these overnight or take an aspirin and wake up tomorrow. You become aware of them and I deal with them still every day of my life because it was they were so ingrained in me. So fear is is um education, okay? It's it's knowledge. Next is anger. My life was being driven by anger. Explore your anger. Don't hate yourself because you have a temper or anger. Don't shame yourself. Anger is powerful. There's a reason we have anger as a primary emotion. It's the most powerful emotion we have. Why? Because it tells us something's wrong. There's an injustice. We're not getting our needs met. There is something happening or you would not be getting angry. We're taught... The, the sad thing is, especially me growing up in a Christian and a Catholic family, I was taught that anger was evil and bad, and therefore, since I had a temper, I was evil all the time. I, I loathed myself. I went to confession every Saturday. It was a vicious cycle. So then came the shame. Anyway, it was a horrible, vicious cycle. And it wasn't till I had a teacher named Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a South Vietnamese Buddhist monk. And um, he wrote a book on anger, and he also wrote a book on fear. And I suggest these books to any of you. His name is Thich Nhat Hanh, and his seminal books that I love are Fear, and then another book is called Anger. And what he suggests you do is pretend your anger is a baby. So for me, it would be wrapping this baby in a pink blanket. So I wrap my anger and treat it like a baby in a blanket. And then I sit in a rocking chair, and I pretend it's a baby. So what is your anger doing? Screaming out to be noticed. So... He suggests you ask your anger, I mean, just like you would a baby. Are you hungry? Are you, did you wet your pants? Are you cold? Do you need more love? We do that to a baby, but we won't do it with our anger. So he suggests that instead of shaming yourself, getting angry at yourself, hating yourself, calling anger a sin, he suggests that you treat it and love it as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, and getting in a rocking chair and rocking your anger. He also suggests in his fear book doing the same thing with fear. And what you do is you bring it back to yourself. You acknowledge it with great reverent respect and say, I know you have information for me, and I know you're part of my love, so teach me and let me listen. Okay, so number three is shame. There's Toxic shame in families. It's when you get these seeded childhood messages in your psyche. 
harmful messages like, I can't believe how dumb you are. It's okay, everyone makes mistakes. Or stop sitting around like a fat lump of clay. Go take a walk or get some fresh air. You know, you're not smart enough. Uh, don't ever share your dream of becoming a doctor or a professional with somebody else. They'll think you're stupid. That's one I heard often. But disapproval and disappointment that focuses not on actions, but aspects of yourself can make you feel shame. And then shame builds and it grows and it grows just like a, a plant or a flower that's fertilized. So please be aware of the shame that's growing. And toxic shame can develop in childhood, but then we can continue shame because we don't know it till we're adults and then we start acting out in it. N another thing to be aware of during um, our 40 days of this makeover are your secrets. Secrets kill, truth heals. Family secrets. I mean, one of my uh, mother's sisters was, uh, you know, we thought she was pregnant, but she wasn't, and she had a pillow under her uh, shirt for uh, seven months, and so that's a whole nother story. Then that family secret didn't break for 20 years later, and then we found out the dominoes that were behind that about this baby that happened to be there, and where did it come from? And so anyway, family secrets are powerful. And, and for us women, the secrets around pregnancies, abortions, rapes, sexual assaults, and sexual molestation, the physical violence so many of us women have incurred, emotional abuse. So many of us women live with our own secrets and we keep those secrets of other women. God knows I did with my mother. Uh, next is addictions and cravings and attachments. Or as my Buddhist friends, like I said, addictions, they call them cravings and attachments, which would be dependence or cravings. They, they attract your attention, okay? Whatever, whatever you're obsessed with, is going to take your attention off of your whole, beautiful, authentic self. It's a distraction. But they're like magnets. Remember that. Anyway, and under that, what are you self-medicating on? Okay, write that down. Is it your technology, your phone, your computer, your iPad? Is it um, binging on Netflix or uh, Amazon Video? Is it one of the streaming services? Is it pornography? TV, emails, texts. What are you self-medicating on? Social media. Is it on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok? What are you self-medicating on? Is it alcohol, drugs, or smoking, or vaping? Okay. This is all self-medication. What about food? We have an obesity crisis in the United States and globally. I, I really believe that stress and anxiety and fear... And us not being at home with ourselves, our authentic self, causes so much anxiety and depression that we try to eat it away. We're self-medicating on food. And then another one and uh, is uh, intimacy. What is keeping you from connecting with others? What is keeping you from connecting with others? Okay. So that's just a list of things to, to peruse, to think about, to wonder about, okay? And, um, and after many, 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 many lengths and many, 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 many years of these 40-day things, those will take you to very interesting places, I promise you that. But it's a great time to ask yourself during these 40 days, am I the person I'm meant to be? Am I living my authentic life? What's keeping me from living it? So 
Here's a few 40-day Lent makeover tips, okay? So those were the questions, the first part. You might want to ask yourselves, okay? All of those interesting little, um, you know, tidbits that we talked about. Um, anger, shame, fear, intimacy, all those things. So keep that on one boilerplate. Now here's a f- few 40-day Lent makeover tips. Number one, write it out. Journal these habits. So whether I talk to you about fear or anger or shame, have a, have a journal and write that at the top. Shame. Then at the top of the next page, write anger or fear, whatever. And during this 40 days, write what comes up for you. Write it out. It's really, really cool because writing is, it saved my life. I have journals back to when I was eight years old. And I was uh, so ashamed I never spoke in verbal language about what was going on in our home because it was a secret. It was so awful. And um, there was nobody to tell. I couldn't tell nuns or priests at the Catholic school I went to. And my brothers and sisters were living it through us. So there was nowhere to do it. So thank God that I I knew to journal. So I wrote it out. Write it out. It's amazing. It's a good beginning. Also, it's a chronicle of where you are right now uh, during this time in your life. Two is calm. Okay, I want uh, please try to meditate, relax, calm. Five minutes each day. Set a timer during the day. Go to you can go to our meditation room at the Mindful Living Network, or you can go to YouTube and go to the meditation room at the Mindful Living Network, and we've got tons and tons and tons of meditations there for you. So you can go there and either listen to nature, you can listen to oming, you can listen to anything you want, get silent, but go to our meditation room. There's also online classes for meditation like Gaia and other sites and tons and tons of apps. And if you want references, we um, just, again, as I always say, email me at info at Mindful Living Network or info at ourmln.com and I'll send you um, apps. Okay, and I'll also send you where to go to other online classes besides the ones we have at the Mindful Living Network. Okay, do that for the 40 days, five minutes of calm, and then you're going to do a little journal. Next is time. How are you investing your time in your life? Kairos and Kronos. Kairos is God's time. Okay, that is, that is the way that your life is unfolding for your purpose. Kronos is calendar time human time. It's kind of like looking at your watch, whether it's digital or circular, whether it's looking at 30 days in a month. But one is Kairos, one is Kronos, okay? So what we do is we try to cram everything so that we're destroying our lives in our human calendars. So Kairos, which is the purpose of our life and what time, how time is supposed to unfold for us with the grace and the healing and the love We obsess too much about shoving too much into our daily calendars to experience Kairos, which is God's time. Give up over scheduling. Create space for leisure and nourishment every day. Don't wait till Saturday or Sunday. Every couple hours, every four hours, set your timer on your phone. Walk outside, absorb nature. Um, Have a beautiful teapot and a beautiful cup. Take a drink of water or tea in beautiful china. Uh, Play or hug your pet, do some yoga stretches, meditate for five minutes, okay? Invest in your life with your time. It's the most sacred thing you have, and you can't get it back. Next is technology cleanse. Make a commitment to stop using the Internet. 
you know, either Facebook, emails, whatever. This is time, these 40 days, to nourish yourself and your family. Listen to your inner voice. And you'll be a better person and you'll be a better listener for others. What a gift, okay? What an immense gift. And next is the clutter in your life. Examine the clutter in your life. Not just cupboards and drawers and closets, but your car, your digital clutter, your emails, your texts, your all the stuff that you've collected in your online presence. And don't forget to declutter your relationships. Clear the clutter, then you clear your mind. And we have clear research that shows that clutter causes anxiety, depression, isolation, Things that are cluttering your life are keeping your life in imbalance, okay? It's, it's keeping you not centered and focused on your purpose. Next, ask yourself, what's rotten in my life? <laughs> what's rotten in your life? I just cleaned out the refrigerator yesterday, so this one really hits home. Get rid of what's rotten in your life. Um, not just your refrigerator. How about your relationships that need to be cleaned up or thrown out? And if, not, and if you can't figure out how to do that, get counseling, okay? Or look at your work. Look at your personal life. Look at your neighbors. What's rotting right in front of you? And again, you can always get help to help these relationships because some relationships need healing, okay? Those wounded relationships can get through this journey to wholeness, okay? But you've got to see that they're rotting right in front of you. Awareness. We go back, circle back to awareness. Next is organize. Each day, discover new ways to organize your life. Get a day calendar that you like. Okay, it's got to be something you like. Make sure you do. And try to get organized. Don't forget to schedule yoga stretches, some short meditations we talked about, a couple healthy snacks, drinking water throughout the day. We know that water changes the brain. Water calms you down. All those kinds of things. When you get organized, you're going to nourish yourself and not leave you till the end of the day or to the end of the week to do something for yourself. And also in organizing, go to the grocery store once a week. Make a list. Also set your timer so you leave work. When you leave work, your desk is clean. And that just especially with so many of us working from home, it's easy to leave everything undone and then go back at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night or the next morning. No. Set a timer for an hour or 30 minutes before you leave. I've done this, and it will really change your life. Psychologically, then you're leaving it there for the next day, and you're ready to start. Sleep hygiene. Number eight is what we're on. Set your alarm and choose a time to be in bed every night. I have on mine 10 o'clock at night, and I have sacred bed ritual. That's what I personally have on mine. Put a book by your bed or listen to to an imagery download, guided imagery. We know that guided imagery relaxes the brain, the blood pressure, your heart rate, slows the body metabolism down and puts you to sleep. Both reading and a guided imagery tape, both create peace and health for your mind, your body, and your soul. And I promise you this, after 40 days, you'll wonder why you ever stayed up to watch the late shows, okay? And it's not that I don't like the late shows. We record them. Okay, and also when you're that tired, you're not absorbing a lot of it. We watch it in the light of day or we save them for the weekend and listen to them, my husband and I, and then we're more alert, too. And number nine, reading. Reading reduces your stress, nourishes your body, mind and soul. Do you know how many people I know that don't read? It's such a sadness. 
read at least, you know, at least 10 minutes a day before you go to bed, 10 to 20 minutes maybe for the next 40 days. Read a biography about an inspirational person. I swear it's going to change your life. I did this for one Lent 10 years ago, and I'm in, and I ever since then, I'm passionately involved in all these dead people's lives. I love them. They have transformed my life, transformed my life almost as much as my teachers have, my live teachers. So that's the importance of reading on a regular basis. So next, move your body, move your mind. What we know is when your body moves, you're getting that blood and oxygen and everything into your brain, which makes you younger and healthier. Each day, find some small way to get your body moving. Do Jump up while you're working. Take five minutes to Zumba dance. Go to a, a, a YouTube website and dance for a few minutes. There's tons of them. It's fun, too. Yoga. Do Tai Chi for five or ten minutes. Be creative in how you move your body. Run up and down the stairs for five minutes. After 40 days, I promise you, you're going to feel like a new person. And maybe get a partner. Get a neighbor or a coworker to go with you. Next, food. Choose to eat mindfully and include more fruit and vegetables in your meals. Try to do um, a couple days a week if you are a meat eater, not to eat meat and substitute with these fabulous new meat substitutes. New ones are coming out every single day. Add one fruit or vegetable at least, even maybe something you don't like for the next 40 days. Take a minute to look at your plate. Respect all the food, the people that grew it, that planted it the grocery store that brought it to your to your uh, table, the hands that lovingly made it. Okay, how about 40 days also to being silent for a minute or saying a blessing over your food? It's a practice that we've really lost in our current culture. Okay, please, then at three times a day, you're connecting and being grateful for your food. And then next is family night. One night a week, gather the family to play games or paint or do a puzzle or pick a word and have a discussion over one word or a news topic that's in the news that day. And then next is if you can find a spiritual guidance person, a spiritual director. I happen to be a spiritual director. They're out there. They're wonderful. They'll, um, they're a little different than a therapist. Some therapists are spiritual directors. Um, and it, 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 especially during these 40 days, after you come out of the 40 days, you may want some deepened guidance because you're going to go deeper into your life and it's going to be more fun with all this courage you're uh, devoting to these 40 days. And finally, get a calendar. I have an empty calendar right here right now and I keep it for every Lent for these 40 days and explore virtues and goals. Okay, so for each day, write in a word. Okay, so I'm going to read some of mine. Um, March the 1st is, is awareness. Uh, uh, Thursday is innocence. Then there's trust, denial, patience, honesty, anger, surrender, curiosity, sadness, grief, grace, commitment, discipline. So take each day of the 40 days, put a word there that you'd like to explore or for your family or your partner, if you happen to have a partner or at work, a word that you would like to explore in these 40 days and it'll bring up great conversations. So, Okay, this was your 40-day makeover. It just happens to be couched in Lent, okay, these 40 days, but use it. It's wonderful. Again, let's all go into the wilderness together, okay? Lent, your 40-day makeover. And write me, 
Okay, let me know how you're doing. Our, O-U-R-M-L-N.com, info at our, uh, excuse me, info at our, O-U-R-M-L-N.com, or info at mindfullivingnetwork.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. I love our newsletter. I love it, I love it, I love it. Of course, I help create it each, and we really mindfully do it to see how we can help you, and if you have any ideas, let me know. But... Sign up for our newsletter. You can do it at the Mindful Living Network. We would love it. It's got health tips. It's got spiritual tips. It's got all kinds of information. It's got little meditations and all kinds of stuff. Um, so I'm going to depart. And uh, this is your 40-day makeover. And this is the way I see it. I am Dr. Kathleen Hall. Take care.